Mariners got one spot. Marco Gonzalez, Martin Perez, they have two other spots. Then, eh, here's what I think. One, at least one, of the three kids that are probably getting buried need to not get buried in 2024. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. It wasn't so terribly long ago that we were all seriously stoked about Luis Ortiz, about Rowanzi Contreras, about Quinn Priester, for different reasons. And at different times, it wasn't like they were some triumvirate that moved up through the system together. Rowanzi rocketed up the same way his fastball used to make it from his right hand to the catcher's mitt. Ortiz just seemingly showed up out of nowhere one day, came across from Altoona, and was throwing 98, 99 miles an hour effortlessly and just blowing people away. Priester, probably the oddest case, even though he's a first-round pick and you'd think he would have carried the highest profile, he also happened to be one of the COVID kids. He was in Altoona, too, only it was as part of the satellite camp. And most unfortunately, probably for this fine young man, Somebody from Baseball America, and I know who it was, and I'm not naming names, saw him or saw a video of him or something that really got him excited, and it had Priester shooting up through the rankings, because that's all it takes is one particularly influential individual, and there goes that ranking, and Priester made it as high as number seven overall. Can you even imagine this? Number seven overall in Major League Baseball's total prospect rankings, all positions put together, all everything, number seven. Well, I I don't need to go over one more time what's gone wrong, or even for that matter, to what varying extents it's gone wrong for all three of these pitchers. Safe to say the one thing that we can conclude about all three is that they, A, lost velocity, B, lost their standing and regressed. And were sent back to the minors, in some cases, more than once. Gone from starting to relief, in Contreras' case. And I promise you, I will not be getting super crazy animated over a whole heck of a lot with the way this team is currently constructed. My expectations are not high. Maybe that'll change between now and mid-February. I'm open-minded. They still have time to do some things to improve. But what's there? in this split second is not worth getting all riled up over. Sorry. But, but independent of wins and losses for the parent club, I do intend on making this a recurring theme because there's nowhere to run or hide, or there certainly shouldn't be anywhere to run or hide from pitching development that takes three players that we've seen at various points, again, to various extremes, all have exhibited high-end talent. You know how sometimes it's tough to tell the difference between acquisition and development? 
Baseball really, really makes that tough, tougher than any other sport. Well, we saw Ortiz dominate. We saw Contreras dominate. And at least one dude at Baseball America saw Priester dominate. So I guess that's worth something. No, I sound like I'm being unfair here. Priester has potential. Priester was a first-round pick before the guy at Baseball America laid eyes on him. But Priester got off of his fastball. And he ended up just becoming a soft, soft tosser. Lots and lots of curves, lots and lots of off speed, trying to be super precise and super fine because that's what you got to be when you're that kind of pitcher. Well, he never had to be that if you look at his history, if you look at the fastball that he used to have. They got away from fastball command, and anybody who has even a rudimentary understanding of pitching development with any organization, my God, it even used to be the case with the Pirates, they knew you had to master, or at least come close to mastering, fastball command before you could make the big step. I don't say a lot of good things about Ben Charrington's predecessors. But that front office had one year where they got so tired of watching Jamison Tyone pull the string on hitters at the low minors because they couldn't touch his curveball. It was 12 to 6. It was fall off a table. And what he'd do, and he'd tell you this himself, every time he'd get into trouble, every time he really, 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 really needed a pitch, he'd go to the curve and it would just clean up every mess. Well, that's not going to work for you in the majors. And that's what he was being told. And at one point, it seemed a little over the top, but it worked. They told him, you can't throw your curve at all in this game. Tonight, no curves. You're going to have to get through this by locating your fastball. There also were games where he would just throw the fastball. Never happened with Priester. Still isn't being discussed as happening. So, okay. Okay, go through this coming season in which you're already way shorthanded with starting pitching and try to find a way to justify or excuse the development as a whole, Oscar Marine specifically, for allowing all three of these pitchers to regress even while management tries to put them out of sight, out of mind by returning them to Indianapolis. That, that, I'm sorry, that has to become a major, major point of focus for this coming summer. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun. It's a great meal and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. 
safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from John, who's wondering if the Pirates have the potential to show some power this year. 20 or more home runs from the following players feels possible. Jack Sawinski, Rowdy Telez, Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz, Henry Davis, Brian Hayes. <laughs> Can that just be my answer? I don't know, man. Telez hit 30. For the Brewers, and then he didn't. He had finger injuries and other issues, but he didn't do that again. He's done it once, and that's always a tough, tough place to be for a baseball player in terms of proving yourself. I think it's safe to count Reynolds into that category. I think it's really safe to count Cruz into that category, provided everything goes well, of course. And Jack, yeah, I mean, Jack could be terrible and still hit 20 home runs, right? You would think that Davis has that, but I don't know. The power's definitely there with Davis. I'm not doubting that. But he's got to be more consistent at the plate, and he's got to do it in a year where I think we all can agree the broader focus of his is going to be on catching on becoming a quality receiver, on becoming someone who can manage a game from behind the plate at the big league level. And to throw on top of that, hey, kid, while you're at it, why don't you go out and you know hit 280 with 25 bombs and 80 RBIs? I mean, again, it's possible. He's a 1-1. You have Hayes in that group, and, and I can see why. I mean, Key showed some really good stuff in the second half of this past season. And it's entirely plausible that Key has found something where he can consistently have the ball go into the air instead of right at infielders because he will always make, uh, I was about to say solid, but above average contact and exit velocity. His issue has been that he pounds it into the ground and he needs to be doing more to get it over infielders' heads. If and when he does that, the home runs will come, but I don't know that it's going to be at some breakthrough rate. Can't rule it out, though. The other one, and I'm just going to throw this in for fun, is is Leo Verpaguero. Because he had 20 home runs across three levels this past season, and of course, I understand that's not the same thing. But he has this weird power. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like... You'll see him take a swing that looks pretty harmless. And if you're watching the game, whether it's in person or on TV, the next thing you do is either turn your head or or note the switching of the camera to the outfield shot, and the two scenes don't really go together. They don't match up. It's a strange 
strange power. He and I have talked about it. He laughs and giggles and whatever, but he's also really proud of it. He's aware of it, and he does expect to hit home runs. So uh, talking about the Pirates as a powerful team is a transition, my man. That's the best answer I can give you. But yes, there are elements in this that are worth discussing. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we will do another one of these on Monday. Monday. 